The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. COP28 continues and Saev O'Neill, Senior Climate Advisor for Friends of the Earth Ireland, has been keeping an eye for us. Saev, I think there may be something of a jaundiced view of this COP. Is that justified or is there anything materially significant emerging? Well, good afternoon, Anton. I think anyone who's listening to scientific reports and hearing about tipping points in the Earth system and planetary boundaries being breached will wonder what all these delegates are actually doing in Dubai if they're not going to get their heads, you know, cracking on what needs to be done to to avert this planetary catastrophe. So it's extremely slow and frustrating. So I do hear you there. Um, But interestingly, this COP is the first time, and I'm not there myself in person, but it's the first time I think we can see a real focus on the issue of fossil fuels. And as I've said before on the show, Fossil fuels aren't even mentioned in the Paris Agreement. There was a real resistance to actually fingering the major culprit in climate change. And again, the talk is all about emissions in, in the Paris Agreement. But now the the delegates are really being forced to, to kind of grapple with the issue and not just the question of, you know, uh, carbon capture and storage technologies and, you know, whether to phase out or phase down. They're really having to, you know, confront the the scientific reality, which is being brought to them um, very clearly by the latest IPCC and also the United Nations Environment Programme emission gap reports. So more and more countries are making fossil fuel pledges. We've got nine new countries uh, joining the Powering Pass Coal Alliance, and that includes the Czech Republic, which is a major um, user of, of coal and electricity. Um, new members of the Beyond Oil and Gas Alliance, um, which is a different little grouping um, of nations that pledge to phase out all fossil fuels. And I suppose, it, you know, what the presidency has done is it's used its its influence to bring together the oil and gas industry. And they've signed a new pledge, 50 fossil fuel companies um, representing 40% of global production have pledged to end gas flaring by 2030, which I understand is something that some of the companies actually promised to do 20 years ago. But there you go. It, it also, and again, maybe this this <laughs> is me exemplifying the jaundiced eye that I was suggesting. It sounds like small beans in the big scheme of things. Yes, I understand that. And when people are listening to all this talk about negotiating texts and this word versus that word, and, you know, whether it's debated or unabated or peaking emissions, what does that all mean in practice? Well, this is uh, a meeting of uh, parties to an international treaty. So when they agree text, it has legal significance. So if the text they agree calls on parties to do something, that means it's calling on Ireland to do something. It's call upon, calling on the European Union, the United States and China. So, of course, they'll, they'll squabble about the text and the precise um, you know, actions indefinitely. But it does have legal significance. And um, so very often you see a lag between what's agreed um, at the international meetings and what the science is saying. They're always slow to get to grips with what needs to be done. But it does, there is a shift. Um, We are now looking at texts that include language around phasing out fossil fuels and aligning um, the nationally determined pathways to the IPCC's pathways. So I think the very fact that the diplomatic pressure is on them to talk about fossil fuels and to confront its role in climate change is progress in itself because this has always been the elephant in the room at all the COPs. 
Um, and of course, this year we have more fossil fuel lobbyists and livestock industry lobbyists than ever. Well, on that COP, note, so. where you mentioned the, the, mm-hmm. the um, livestock lobby, for, from an agricultural perspective, briefly, if you would, Saif, um, this is significant to Ireland. The IPCC has been calling for a shift to sustainable diets. The Irish government has been largely resisting that. Are they going to have their hand forced by this COP? Well, the, the Irish government likes to see itself as playing a very constructive role in these negotiations and on everything else it really does, actually. Um, but when it comes to the agriculture and food systems issue, which is only really now appearing on the COP agenda for the first time, so the Food and Agriculture Organization of the UN is going to launch a roadmap for sustainable food systems in the next few days. And this will be the first time that we've had a UN agency look closely at the role of changing food systems and diets as part of climate action. And it'll be very interesting to see what the Irish government says about this. Um, There is a declaration that countries have signed up to already, including the EU, um, on food sustainability, but it's really very weak. It doesn't say anything very concrete. So the question is, like, will the Irish government um, go along with whatever the FAO recommends? Will we start promoting sustainable diets and a shift towards sustainable food systems in our domestic agriculture policy? And in a way, it's kind of happening already and there's an inevitability about this, but it will be very important to hear them say it out loud. Sive, thank you so much. Sive O'Neill, Senior Climate Advisor for Friends of the Earth covering COP28 there for us. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.